0: Welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. guest today is Christopher A. Teeters, author of Albert Burton Moore, and Alabama Centennial Commemoration of the Civil War, The Rhetoric of Race, Romance, and Reunion in the Alabama Review, April 2013, and a co-winner of the Milo Howard Award for best article in the Alabama Review for the previous two years. Chris, thank you very much for joining us today, and congratulations for winning the Milo Howard Award. I hope you'll
1: talk with us today about your article. Certainly. My article deals with Alabama's centennial commemoration of the Civil War. I particularly examined the papers of Albert Moore, who was the executive director of Alabama's centennial commemoration in the 1960s. Those papers are located at the University of Alabama's Special Collections at Hull Library. Through looking at those papers, as well as newspapers and pamphlets that were published at the time, I was able to form a complete picture of the commemoration at the state level. What I argue is that Moore and the Centennial Commemoration advanced a rhetoric of romance and reunion, and that romance was reminiscent of the lost cause. The lost cause, of course, being the memory of the war that was developed by white Southerners in the wake of defeat. It became especially prominent in the 1880s, 1890s, where they cast a romantic aura over the whole white Southern experience. These white Southerners, including some leaders uh, from the Confederacy, the daughters of the Confederacy, the sons of the Confederate veterans would talk about how slavery was not the cause of the Civil War. It was a result of states' rights or some other reason. And also they would celebrate their ancestors, the virtue of Confederate soldiers, particularly Generals Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. And the whole thing kind of had a romantic sense to it. It distorted the history greatly. But that kind of lost cause rhetoric found its way into the commemorative exercises of the 1960s they very much did not want to talk about issues of slavery and emancipation and racial equality or any of the racial issues that come out of the Civil War. They immersed themselves in this romantic version of the conflict. They held parades and balls, pageants, dressed up in period clothing and had all kinds of commemorative exercises, including one in Montgomery where they reenacted the inauguration of Jefferson Davis. So. What I argue is that romantic rhetoric had a purpose. White Alabamians were experiencing a lot of tension from the civil rights movement that was challenging their racial status quo, and this was a way that they dealt with it. And again, these activities were exclusively for whites. They excluded African Americans from these activities. African Americans in Alabama also held their own commemorative exercises. And in those commemorative exercises, they very much emphasized the very themes that white Alabamians were emitting from their commemorations. Some of those included the centennial of emancipation, African-American troops, and the vital service that they rendered the Union cause, and also the historic struggle for racial equality and also how it's continuing in the 1960s. Those commemorations were very different. For example, they held commemorative exercises for the centennial of the Emancipation Proclamation in Huntsville, Birmingham, but another theme that I also emphasized besides romance of the centennial in Alabama was the theme of reunion or unity. And this goes back to the white commemorations. White Alabamas not only wanted to romanticize their historic experiences, they also wanted to emphasize union. This was also borrowed from the reunion rhetoric of the turn of the century where North and South came back together and united around a shared sense of sacrifice, again, excluding African Americans from that narrative and remembering their own courage and struggles together, but again, excluding the emancipationist narrative, this is, of course, is very well articulated in David Blight's famous work, Race and Reunion. But I found the same kind of unity rhetoric in the 1960s, just like the law Cause, There was also this undercurrent of unity. In other words, they wanted both North and South to unite around the heroism of their Civil War ancestors. And the reason they wanted this was because of the Cold War, the concerns and insecurities that the Cold War were causing. Of course, in the early 1960s, you have the Bay of Pigs, you have the Cuban Missile Crisis, And people in America generally, not just the South, were very anxious. So this rhetoric of unity coming from white Alabamians in this commemoration had a Cold War purpose. In other words, let's unite around our Civil War heritage to better prepare or steel ourselves for the fight against the communists. It will inspire us. It will give us more courage in that struggle. And the last part of my article... And white outmainments did not want unity in all aspects. They did not want unity from white northerners or black northerners when it came to the issue of civil rights. They wanted northerners simply to leave them alone when it came to that issue. And At several events throughout the state, they used the centennial as a way to express their opposition to civil rights overtly. So there's kind of a counter-narrative to the unity narrative that I talk about, and, and it,
0: it relates, of course, to different issues, one, the Cold War, and the other, the Civil Rights. Does this rhetoric of romance and reunion last beyond
1: the centennial of the Civil War? I think it does a little bit. From looking at works like Tony Horowitz, Confederates in the Attic, I think it does for a while, but I think it's declining in the present the sesquicentennial commemoration, for example, has not pushed those same themes. Of course, there are some who are still influenced by the lost cause, But I think generationally, at least in my own observations, the South seems to be changing its interpretation of the Civil War. As time moves on, some of that lost cause rhetoric is starting to give way to a more complete and accurate interpretation of the conflict. So I would say it's definitely decreasing. And like I said, the sesquicentennial commemoration did not display those. I mean, yes, I'm sure you could point to isolated events and individuals that still believe that rhetoric, but generally that's not the popular belief anymore. Now, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I earned my PhD from the University of Alabama where I studied with uh, Dr. George Rabel. I am currently a full-time lecturer at Northern Kentucky University right outside Cincinnati. I also have a book under contract with the University of North Carolina Press on the Union Army during the war and how the Union Army carried out emancipation in the Western Theater. And it looks particularly at officers in the Western Theater and their emancipation policies and attitudes, not only how emancipation was carried out, but how they felt about it. Did their attitudes change? Did they not change? as well as their attitudes toward African American soldiers and race in general. And so that's my project now, revising the final manuscript for UNC Press. What is the title of your current work? It's called Practical Liberators. When do you think it might
0: hit the stands?
1: So the date right now is 2015.
0: Christopher, thank you very much for speaking with us today. Good luck with your project, and again, congratulations on being one of the co-winners of this year's Howard Award.
1: Well, thank you very much, Marty. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed working on the article, and I was very honored to receive the Howard Award.
0: Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at City Stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.org.